Welcome to the first episode of A Bite in D&D Podcast, a podcast where we talk about different ways to flavor and add content to your adventures and D&D campaigns. Um, we're going to be talking specifically about elements within 5e, but we might sprinkle in some references to Pathfinder and 3.5, certain things like that. I am Zach, and the man to my left and my co-host is Micah, and today we're going to be talking about swarms. Now, Micah, can you tell me what is exactly a swarm and where could they find it? Yeah, so the swarm we're talking about uh, is specifically a swarm as a monster. You can find them starting on around page 338 or so of your monster manual. Um, this is not a pack, a, a horde, a swarm of goblins or orcs or something like that. Uh, this is a swarm of creatures, the variety that you normally consider inconsequential, um, something like a rat, uh, a snake, something like that, that on their own is not a threat to the party. Absolutely, yeah, this is... This takes a creature that it couldn't even honestly do damage, and it turns it into something that, uh, certainly for low-level characters, and still kind of throughout the uh, Tier 2 levels of characters, this is a reasonable threat, a distraction, things like that. And we'll get further into what you can use these for um, within your encounters and games at large. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we just kind of jump in? What, what are the reasons that we think that swarms are an interesting or a, a viable monster to put into your game. Yeah, I like that um, they're introducing players, new players especially, to the idea of resistances and immunities early on. Um, it's so tempting at those early levels uh, for new players to be blown away by the classes such as Barbarian and Fighter who just step up and with one simple roll are dealing massive amounts of damage. They have damage resistances. I mean, they're just powerhouses. And it, you look at a bard or something like that, or a, or even a wizard, and you're like, why would I want to play this? Well, a swarm gives credence to those uh, those classes because they have abilities in other ways. Yeah. So, like with what Zach was saying, is uh, you've got your your barbarian, your fighter, and they're able to consistently dish something out in combat. And your casters, especially at low levels, before they get very many spells, abilities, things like that, are are oftentimes going to be feeling left out in the rain, uh, like they don't contribute much if you're not giving them time to role play and do some other stuff uh, with their abilities because. Uh, cantrips certainly help in 5e, giving them a more consistent ability to, to dish some stuff out on. But something like a swarm really lets them shine a little bit more. When the, the barbarian and the fighter are only able to connect or, or clip at a couple rodents at a time, you know, and uh, they've got resistance to the those martial weapons that they're wielding, it gives your casters... Uh, a moment to step up and and be the savior of the party. Um, whether or not they have any spell slots left, even those cantrips are going to allow them to feel powerful. Yeah, and it's just so tempting, even for higher-level casters, to drop that AoE on a swarm, because you know you can take care of it. You know that you're the boss in this situation, that no swarm can stand up to a fireball or, or elements such as that. And as a DM, this is a great way to drain those spell slot resources from a party um, early on, potentially, um, without the need of posing a serious threat. Because the wizard is just going to die to, to throw that fireball because he knows that's mine, that I can do that. And, and I think that's a great 
added benefit to these swarms. Even even at higher levels, these swarms are great for that. I mean, you talk about, let's say, a 5th level character or an 8th level character. Swarm, even at those levels, can distract and cause a caster to roll at disadvantage on their attacks if they're con- or on their concentration um, if they're constantly being bitten and barraged by these swarms of creatures and the temptation to just drop a fireball and not have to think about them anymore is just going to be too great. Yeah, and that really kind of leads us into a, another point that these creatures provide. He hit it right on the head as far as uh, kind of draining those spell slots. Is there a great distraction mm. uh, for what your main encounter of this session is is really supposed to be? Um, you don't always have to have the, the biggest, baddest dude in the book to make an encounter dramatic, to make it uh, tense, exciting for your players. If they go into it, injured, uh, if they go into it without uh, spell slots, uh, resources that they can use to make this fight easier, um, even even a, a, a middling level threat that they may normally be able to roll of suddenly becomes a much more dangerous thing for them to try and deal with. Yeah, never underestimate the power of a distraction in the midst of an encounter, um, especially when you are typically creating an NPC or a custom monster or something like that that you want to tell a story with within this encounter. And if the players get to just single focus on that creature and just... Uh, drop all their massive hits and damage onto that one lone creature, you may not have the opportunity to tell that story, to give it that dialogue or that role-play aspect that you're hoping for. Uh, So swarms and other low-level creatures kind of allow a split focus to the party and kind of extend out those encounters to a more natural length without raising the CR of the encounter to an incredible height. Um, so an example of that might be if you have an evil druid, uh, out in the swamp that you want to throw at a party and you want him to have some, some hermit-like phrases and mannerisms and all that, but you know, your party can just trample them out. Maybe introduce something like, um, like blood bees to the mix. Um, this is something that's going to catch the party off guard. It's going to, uh, maybe Maybe even if it's just one character, one player that is focused instead of on the on the druid, it's focused on these weird necrotic bees. Maybe uh, that's all it takes to get that role play experience that you want out of that encounter. And really, kind of going off of the role play aspect of these, um, this is a great way to hint at uh, to, to kind of forewarn your more savvy adventurers of what they may be running into. So uh, say you've got some troubles in town and villagers are are starting to disappear um, or they're finding bodies with, with teeth marks and things on them like, like they've been gnawed on a little bit and they start adventuring down into the sewers. Well, uh, maybe throw a couple uh, swarms of, of rats at them. Um, yeah, kind of... Maybe- it kind of shakes them up and gives them gets them thinking, okay, maybe this is a dangerous spot. Maybe we should be cautious. Maybe we should be paying attention more to our surroundings. Well, and even if they don't uh, maybe even if they don't take it as a sign of caution, maybe they are go the opposite direction. Maybe they become overconfident. Either way, you're creating 
a, a an important moment here because the the swarm obviously isn't going to be your important threat at a, a very low level. Maybe it could be, but uh, what if these particular rats carry with them a a particular strain of disease? These are infected by were rats, and they're con- kind of controlling them to do their bidding. And their overconfidence didn't uh, pay attention to it, or maybe one. Uh, astute person in the party uh, was like, uh, guys, maybe this isn't quite all it, it's it's looking like here. Um, but it allows you to kind of forewarn or surprise your players then with a bigger threat. And there's two points that I kind of want to draw on there. Uh, the first is foreshadowing, and the second is you mentioned poisoning and or disease. Um, the foreshadowing aspect I think is great in that you gotta, you gotta keep in mind as the DM, if you are DMing the game, that it is your job to tell a story. And part of a story is not to just have one standalone encounter after another, but that it, it smoothly transitions. And so, uh, for example, you don't want a witch to pop up out of nowhere in the middle of a swamp. You want stuff to be looking weird and going wrong even before that happens. And what you can maybe throw at them is some, is some frogs, like swarms of frogs, swarms of poison toads or something like that. Um, this is not natural. It's not something that regular, even poison toads are going to be grouping up together and attacking a larger creature. This should make your party pull up short and say, wait a minute, something's going wrong here. So that then when they see that witch later on after that encounter, they're like, oh wow, okay. We saw evidence of this early on, and that's a great way with swarms. Uh, and I know we keep mentioning uh, poison diseases, things like that, and that's not necessarily going to be found within the monster manual swarms that are there. Um, the reason I particularly like to add this on to our creatures is because it allows them to be a nuisance or even potentially a threat as your players get higher level. They start to get to levels 4 and 5 when swarms are kind of inconsequential. I think the, the highest swarm available in the book is a, a CR2. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it with poison snakes. Yeah, so basically what uh, giving them these diseases, these poisons, allows the swarm to do is even though it's a relatively low chance, uh, your wizards, your rogues, or maybe just a, a very lucky roll on their part uh, could still get through those defenses and again, like we've talked about, they're a nuisance to the players. But if they carry a disease, they, they poison your party, they have a lasting consequence. And it, it turns an inconsequential creature into a, a very serious problem, uh, potentially, for your party. Absolutely. I mean, if if you're dealing, if even even a higher level party, there's always the potential, just because this is how 5e is designed, there's always a potential for even a low-level creature to hit high-level player character and if that player character is hit even if it's a 10% chance or a 20% chance that they're going to get hit if they do get hit and they are they get a condition like poisoned or exhaustion or paralyzed or different things like that that's a big deal and it it makes the fight or the encounter that much more dangerous and 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 the other benefit that that does even just doing it once if you just one time give a swarm of rats some sort of disease now, every time the players encounter rats from there on out, it could be half a year later. But if those players encounter a swarm of rats again, they are going to take notice. And that's exactly what you want. You want them thinking about story. You want them thinking about past events. And swarms are a great way to get some of that in. Yeah. Any small things you can add in that, um, it really helps 
build a cohesive story for your players throughout the game and to see them respond to things differently, especially something like this. Uh, it, it, it's kind of fun to watch them develop their own fears and habits for their characters based on what they, they've seen before. Absolutely. And, and while we're on the subject of players and player characters, uh, we should go ahead and note that um, there is the Conjure Animal spell um, that a lot of the uh, magic-using race or, or classes have. Uh, we should go ahead and note that that cannot be used to summon a swarm um, that's been kind of expressly laid out. Um, there's a lot of reasons that you as a DM might not want that uh, even as a homebrew option because the swarms come with just a ton of resistances, uh, especially to the melee types of damages. They also typically come with a plethora of immunities. Um, and that's just a pain to keep track of. It's a pain for your characters and your players to keep track of and to kind of have all that juggling. It's so much better if you are in control of that type of creature as opposed to your players. Yep. And the other important thing to note here is these swarms are not naturally occurring things. Yep. Generally, a swarm is being controlled by some other outside force. So even if your players, they players are able to all work together and they summon a hundred uh, bats, uh, they're not going to naturally coalesce into a swarm of bats. There's still a hundred individually working bats. Now, I would note that there is... You're right in that, that a lot of times swarms are brought together naturally, but you shouldn't limit that to your game. You know, I mean, there are swarms of insects, and and that swarm of insects might be a swarm of bees, and it's completely reasonable for that to be a natural phenomena in the same way as a swarm of rats. If if you go into a a, a village that had an outbreak of a plague, and, and recently all the people have died and left, you know, food rotting on the counter or whatever. It's completely reasonable that when you open that cupboard, there's a swarm of rats waiting for you that's just going to go at you. So, yes, definitely 100%. The magical aspect should not be ignored and is, is, is typically where these swarms come from. But you can also find ways to naturally put them into your into your world. And so, uh, kind of with that, uh, like we said, we did have a kind of a homebrew thing set up for you so you can kind of see uh, what it's like to, to maybe put together a swarm that's going to fit in with your campaign. Uh, so Zach put this together for us, and why don't you go ahead and show us what you, what you got. Absolutely. So the monster manual isn't always, and you all know this, but the monster manual is not always going to give you exactly what you want. And that's a good thing. Um, I would highly recommend that you consult the monster manual and other things like Lolo's Guide when you can to get inspired, to get ideas. But more often than not, you're going to see a creature, maybe a swarm of insects or whatever in the book, and you're going to be like, hey, I really like that, but in my mind, there's something added to it. And that's awesome. That's exactly what it's there for, is to give you that starting point at the very least. Um, so that's exactly what I did here. Um, what I have created, and this is something that we're going to post up on our um, Facebook page for you uh, listeners to kind of use if you want it uh, in your adventures um, but this is something that I looked at, Swarm of Insects, um, and I, I liked what I was seeing there. But I had a druid that I wanted to be evil and necrotic and kind of an undead-style druid, which is something that you don't see very often. And I said, what would he be surrounded by? And I struck on the idea of blood bees. Now, I kind of got diving into the uh, homebrew 
online aspects of 3.5 and Pathfinder, and I stumbled across a really cool prestige class that um, offered up some cool uh, abilities. And one of those one of those abilities mentioned blood bees and kind of what they were about. And I couldn't find anything more on it, but the idea just kind of stayed with me for a really long time. Um, so a swarm of blood bees. These would be necrotic bees that live out in the wild and are influenced by uh, necromancers or, or evil druids and things like that. Um, and these bees uh, harvest the life force from um, from living things, and they create a necrotic honey called a blood honey from that. And that blood honey is is highly sought after in black markets and things of that like to restore youth and vigor to uh, humanoids. So what I did was I said, okay, these blood bees are going to be based around the idea of, of a swarm of insects, but they're a little bit more powerful. So I'm going to bump up their armor class. I'm going to bump up their hit points. So I'm going to bump their armor up to 13 as opposed to 12. Hit points are going to be rounded out at about 28 instead of 22. Just just slight variations there. Not going to give them any more resistances, any more immunities, because I'm not looking to make this creature a, a an encounter-worthy creature in and of itself. What I'm looking for is something that adds to my evil druid. What I gave as kind of an added ability is that when they bite or when they sting, um, which is a basic thing that uh, the swarm of insects have, um, instead of doing just piercing damage, they're also going to slip in some necrotic damage as well. And that's going to really scare a, a, a barbarian or something like that that has those resistances to your basic forms of damage. And that's that me made it a more interesting, more unique creature that players are going to remember. Alright, well, that is it for Swarms, guys. If you have any additional thoughts or feelings on these, hit us up on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter uh, to find out when we post uh, our next podcast. Yeah, I would love to hear, you know, if you guys have some homebrew swarms of your own that you want to post. Absolutely. I'm always excited to see what other people cook up, and um, you can definitely post those on there. Um, I would really enjoy seeing some of that. Yeah, so just let us know if uh, you guys decide to use these in your game, uh, if you had any memorable encounters, and we will talk to you next time. Yep, good one. Yeah.